My name is Kate Jackson, and this is Recognising Race. In this episode, I speak with Lou Jane Alassi, a graduate in architecture technology from Northumbria University. We talk about the challenges of diversity within architecture and how architecture has the power to create social change. Seen you tweet about how diversity is important in architecture. Could you just say a little bit about why it's important? Why? Well, I'll start with a good quote that I found. So, architecture is a very mirror of life. You only have to cast your eyes on the buildings to feel the presence of the past, the spirit of the place. They are the reflection of society. I think that was by Leo Ming Pi, an arch- uh, American Chinese architect. And I think that sort of encapsulates the whole spirit why I think architecture is such a key foundation into society it's a reflection of how the like you just look at a building and you can see its history without even using words you can see whether a city was rich or whether it was diverse simply through the materials that an architect decides to use so is that when you were studying architecture was there a lot of diverse was there a lot of multi-ethnic people diversity in your class or no (laughs) Uh, I think I was there was four girls out of like because I did architectural technology and we were in with project managers as well so it was just four girls out of like 200 students Um, and I was the only Muslim person girl female Um, and there was only one other black guy as well and that was pretty much it everyone else was white but at the time I was sort of blind to it until the very end. I was like, oh yeah, there isn't really like, I didn't understand why it was, why diversity was so important. I just thought, oh yeah, I'm the only black, the only um, female Muslim woman here or girl. Um, and that was something I was proud of. I was like, oh yeah, I've went through all the obstacles and now I'm here. But I didn't really look at why there weren't as many sort of thing in the background. Did that... Do you, well, actually, if you were blind to it, that might not have impacted, impacted your studies at all, or did it, did it have any impact to you, personally? I think, yeah, in terms of direction of my work was quite, it wasn't centred around my identity or my ethnicity, it was centred around the, the UK architectural environment, not, like, my background, like, what is the design in terms of Libya, or how did colonialism affect building design or urban layout? I wish now I look at it and I'm like, why did why did I not do that? Like, I guess it was just the way the education system is sort of designed in. It doesn't. It'll teach you a little bit about the Italian, the Renaissance, or the Hagia Sophia and whatnot. But it didn't really look at it through the lens of diversity and the influence it has. Well, you've got there's quite a few small initiatives that are starting to pop up. You've got the Black Females in Architecture, which is a network that elevates the visibility of black females in in architecture and the built environment. You've also got the After Party, which is a London-based collective. Um, You see what the other day someone posted a tweet about a Scottish firm called The White Practice, based in Scotland. And somebody had went through the profiles of the people who work there and they were all white. It's like, really? Why is this happening? Are you like... So I think it's also about taking ownership architecture and the built environment are blind to it they still don't acknowledge the racism that exists within the industry i went to one event and uh 
it was quite a huge uh, event and one of the guys at the store was like oh yeah what are you doing here are you just here as a volunteer and I was like oh, what no actually I'm I'm here because this is my job and I belong here just as much as you do but for him I I didn't I wasn't the typical architect or technologist which is predominantly yeah white male I think this is where social media plays an important role because without social media we wouldn't be having the conversations around it and without new young organizations popping up the industry would still be blind with it to it i think the black lives matter movement as well none of the architectural practices that i know in the northeast said anything nor like some of the leading practices up here none of them even acknowledged it none of them are like oh yeah we have to take ownership of what we do or we just even like a small statement of saying yeah we stand in solidarity but they didn't even see see it that way they were like it's not our problem so we won't speak about it we're just architecture we just build homes or buildings or whatever but until that changes and until they start taking ownership and being oh yeah we did get it wrong we do need to change then i don't think we'll see we'll see it happening so my so my room my flatmate he's an architect and he always talks about the psychology of things and I feel like you don't realise a house needs something or a building needs something until, well, until you study it, unless you have the people representing that. Um, So I always thought that that was really important. I don't don't know about other cultures, if different cultures need houses to be a certain way. In my last role, um, I was trying to introduce the firm that I was at to the Libyan market and the Libyan way of houses and homes and and that's an interesting point that you make is, are there any different differences? And one of the first things that the lead architect was like, do you guys really need three living rooms? I was like, yeah, we sort of, you need to have a men's living room, a women's living room, and then the family living room. And that means you also need to have their own separate toilets for when you have the guests over. And he was like, no, no, we'll just get rid of them. We don't really need them. That's a waste of space. But it was like, but these are significant to our culture in the way that a home is assembled and um, but he didn't understand that and if it, if I if I hadn't been there he would have like probably removed them without understanding the significance of having it and submitted it to the new client essentially I think that's another key like even bringing it back to the UK in terms of like social housing it's all well and good having a huge architectural practice that's award-winning but if they're being awarded a government contract to redes- to redesign a whole area particularly for like social housing, how is a 40-year-old middle-privileged white man supposed to know what a refugee family coming into the UK will feel? And like, I often found that even like something as small as having a garden or a, a communal garden was such a, for the lead architect, it was like, yeah, you don't really need it. It's always an extra. But for someone who's already been through that, I've lived on a council estate, I know what it's like. It was like, that's where I think you see such the division in the UK. Like even walking down Jesmond as bad like you'll walk down and it's like it's that sort of segregation that has been a result of the architecture and the urban planning around it. Like when I was doing Jesmond local I was like, yeah I'll go to Jesmond, it's so cool. But when I was there I was like, but why am I I'm like the odd one out essentially. You wouldn't really see a lot of brat like Arabs or the black community it wasn't it was 
predominantly white and I was like you do feel a bit odd and it is a form of like the segregation but it's not like as obvious unless you actually look for it and it's like oh yeah when you think about it it's like oh yeah it is there but why is it there but that's then you start looking at the layout of the city and how why Jasmine is such an important location and why there's a lot of white students there and then you're like yeah this is where this is where it becomes a really important feature into white architecture and the built environment is such a key uh, player in society which I think is often overlooked. Do you think architecture kind of has like the power to bring cultures together let people experience different cultures things like that because I th when I was I've done a previous interview where I, I was sort of asked like do you think education will help sort of knock back the sort of systemic racism in from like childhood and then the person I was interviewing said um you know that's important but it needs social change so I think do you think architecture could help that in some way socially I'll give you another and a good example of that is Chili Road and Heaton it's such a diverse area that you've got the white community but you've got the Pakistani community and then you've got the Bangladesh and then you've got black community and then you've got it's a whole multi I think that's like such a hub for the multicultural uh, society and it's such a great example because you've got businesses thriving you've got different cuisines you've got different schools and all of them are working together to create a community that is excellent also like a creators hub as well and it's emerging and as a result the housing prices are, are starting to improve as well like usually it was seen as like it was quite far and it wasn't it was quite behind in terms of Jesmond and Gosworth but now because of its diversity and it's the community cohesion that it's managed to create through that multi-ethnic community it has started to excel in in its location but also when when we talk about diversity and inclusion it's no good saying oh yeah this is this is a diverse school but when you go within it everyone's like sort of sat in different groups or different cliques or whatever or whatever it is um, and it also goes back to the foundation if you're sharing the same roads with other people you are more likely to have like just the human connection whether it's a smile or a good morning or wherever it is that you wouldn't necessarily get if you lived elsewhere I think so yeah it, it can be such a powerful tool and that was one of the main reasons I went in I knew that it could change lives if it was done properly but then when you go into the industry it's like it isn't because it's it lacks in the diversity it lacks in the like what, there was a percentage what was it 88 uh, percent I think yeah 88 percent are white 12% are from the BAME, commun BAME communities. And it's like, so how, how are you designing an environment that is inclusive of all of these different ethnicities, different identities, when you're predominantly just, just coming from the narrative, just from a white male dominant um, view of it, which is like, when you look at it from the outsiders, it, you don't really think about it. But when you sit in and you're like, oh yeah, but why is he like this? Why is Jasmine like this? And you've also got Gateshead and uh, the West End. They're like, so for example, Gateshead is predominantly Jewish, Fenham is like Muslim, and then you've got all. It's like, why? Why is there this sort of segregation that that we thought we had got rid of, but it's it's still there. What? But why does it still exist? And that's when again it goes back to architecture and the urban layout. And what architecture? What exactly is it that? 
segregates these areas then? It's it's the housing, the community shops or the community uh, religious spaces, for example, because in the West End you've got quite a few mosques. Like, why does one area just have to have mosques? Why does one area just have to have synagogues? Why can we not just bring all those spaces together within pro- close proximity where people can actually face have a face-to-face connection and, like, the human aspect of bringing people together rather than, oh, yeah, you have to travel five miles away just to go to where you feel comfortable. Um, and also, like, like small shops, like we have, like, the Arab shops as well, where we just go and get our own spices or our own meats. It's like, but what if we bring all these together rather than separate them away? Why do I have to travel five miles to go get the spices that I want? Why is it not within my community? And if we bring those elements together, you see the the formation of an inclusive community. If that were to happen, like it, like a like a white community, do you think there'd be quite a bit of tension? I think at first they'll be skeptical to it because we are it's entering their space, and that might make them uncomfortable. But at the same time, you can use it to leverage new relationships. It doesn't have to be an invasion, like we see it in the media today. It's like if it, someone comes to the UK, it's always an invasion of migrants. It's like, but it isn't an invasion. We're just trying to better our way of life. Why should I? have a, uh, a poor quality of living compared to you why is my housing have to be worse off than yours why do i need to go to a school that isn't as highly rated as yours even though it's a public school why does a public school that's what, an excellent rating has to have to be like so far away why can't i have an why can't i attend an ex- excellent rating school we should all be entitled to a fair education system a fair good quality of housing it shouldn't be oh yeah it's either yours or it's not you either fit in or you don't we can all just we should be able just to coexist and make relationships relationships with one another it doesn't have to be you versus another or me versus you or that sort of narrative that we see quite a lot in media aiming to raise racial awareness for students across the uk through underrepresented voices follow recognizing race on spotify instagram or the website www.recognisingrace.com to keep up to date for the latest content.